You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. When Nicole Sandler sits down to do her show, she's the producer, booking the guests, pulling the audio, planning the show, the engineer, running the controls, troubleshooting any problems, playing the sounds, calling the guests, and she's the webmaster, writing the blog, posting the podcast, maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out the bad guys, and then you get the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. All right. We usually start with some kind of a funny video or the parody song or something. We're not doing that today. Instead, I'm going to play a video. We're, we're, we're talking radio and the music industry today. We will get to the news a little later. And yeah, there was news yesterday, but not what we expected, right? Still good to hear, but again, not what we were waiting for. Uh, more on that later. So today, the question is, what the hell happened to radio, right? And the music industry. Um, I'm going to start, before I bring on our guest, taking us back, I can't believe this is 26 years, but 26 years ago, it was the, the date was February 4th, 1997, in Los Angeles, it was a big TV morning show, I think it's still on the air, the KTLA morning show, morning news, and they came out to our little radio station on its final day on the air, and this is uh, what happened. In show business news this morning, Los Angeles Broadcasting is losing another great station. And perhaps gaining another great one. Putting yes. a positive spin on it. In Espanol, of course. Hi, Sam. Hey, you guys. Uh, Carlos and uh, Barbara, good morning once again. We are, again, just hours away from the departure from the uh, radio airways of FM 101.9, LA's finest rock. And the station has been on the air for two and a half years. And, you know, we're in the lucky position where often uh, people who watch the KTLA Morning News send us cards and letters. And just over the course of the morning, I've been going over with the staff here, just, uh, I mean, a zillion uh, letters like this one. Uh, Robert Sanders writes, uh, when the format goes dark and all of you move on, you'll be able to say that once upon a time, you were part of something that people really cared about. And I really think that's true. Uh, music radio, perhaps more so than any other format, uh, of course, invades people's consciousness. Uh, somebody who was responsible to a large degree for the music on FM 101.9, Nicole Sandler. Remember when Nicole was with Mark and Brian, and then, of course, she became the morning personality here and the music director, and we're in the music hall. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Is it hard for you this morning? It's really hard. Um, as I told you before, I kind of feel like I'm watching a really good friend die. Um, and it's not, it's not the fact that I'm losing a job. We've all lost jobs before. This place has taken on a life of its own, and it's, it's the most unique radio station I've ever worked at, and I love it. I mean, I love the fact that we've had the opportunity to introduce so many new bands and artists and, and play really good music. It's about the music. It's not about anything else around here. What, what artists have you literally... I mean, this is a very... This room is not four feet by four feet. What have you... Uh, people who have been in here, um, Elvis Costello, David Byrne, uh, you can look on the wall, Chris Isaac, um, most everyone who's been in here signed, <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice, it's been kind of emotional, Lyle Lovitz right there, um, from the small people that, that maybe you don't even know of to the big ones, uh, Chris Isaac is there again, yeah. Wild Colonials, Freddie Johnston, um, Francis Donnery, Adrian Ballou, Sarah Hickman, um, Cheryl Crow and her band. Tori Amos is right here with her little drawing of a piano. And you said, you said Tori had an interesting experience with the radio station. Um, well, she's been here twice. She's played in this, in this very room twice. Um, she, she, oh, the, the experience. We did a thing with Tori at the Cinegrill where we had ten winners 
and their guests. And it was on a Sunday afternoon. And when everyone came in, they were sitting in seats. She walked in and she's like, oh, no, no, no. Come gather around me. Oh. And, and she sat on the floor by the piano and everyone sat around her. She spoke to each and every person there, had a personal conversation. So the room felt like they knew each other. And then she played about three or four songs. It was one of the most emotional, wonderful days. But we're loaded with, with memories like that from this place. And, you know, viewers have been, uh, viewers, I should say, listeners have been very generous, I think, to the people at FM 101.9. Look at Nicole's uh, computer, and she just spun these off of her website. And these well, are this, these are just emails that I've downloaded. I, I, the last couple of days I've been going in, and I downloaded. Last night, I had, I think it was 180 messages. The night before, 279. All these dots are ones that I haven't read yet. And look at the uh, very sad day, how and why. Thanks for the music. Talk about the passion. Thanks and goodbye. Um, thank you, thank you, so long for now. Oh, gosh. Let us go into the studio where a lot of us all uh, took place. We were here last hour, and they now have a gathering. What's going to be on the air today? Uh, well, we're each, each uh, disc jockey is taking a, a shift of about two hours and playing kind of what we want to play to say goodbye. Have you thought about what you're going to play? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be here from 11 to 1, and I, I pretty much know what I'm going to be playing. Uh -huh. yeah. And now we're going to try. Here's a dramatic thing that we're going to try. Is our Mike Morrison, the program director, and Anita and all the other uh, 101.9 fans. Shall we do our, it's our own version of a simulcast, but we don't have the right uh, pot wiring to do this? We're gonna, fashion, it will be jury -based. Typical KTLA fashion yeah, as well. We work very well. All right, here we go. So the microphone is going elsewhere, and then we will be both on Channel 5 and on FM 101.9 at the exact same time. See if this actually works. And they screwed it up, yeah, just so you know. They, they completely screwed it up. Oh, it's a big simulcast. Is it working there? <laughs> Can you hear us? It's working now. It's very exciting. And then, um, again, at midnight, And you, have you guys picked the last song yet? Uh, didn't we go over this already? <laughs> we, the, the last song will, assuming it's okay with everybody here, It is. my yeah. idea is to have the last song just sort of generate itself, manifest, if you will, spontaneously. We're, oh. writing, we're writing the They're last song. They're writing the last song. Yeah. We're writing that it. will be on uh, at uh, midnight tonight. Anyway, again, uh, we say goodbye to our friends at FM 1.9. We want to put up a graphic and let you know there's a big concert, listener appreciation party. And there, there was. Um, so Wednesday that was, um, somebody in the chat room just asked, what year was this? That was 1997. That was February 4th, 1997. And, and you know what? All radio people have stories of stations that they worked at that went off the air. They don't all get to say goodbye the way we did there at FM 101.9 in Los Angeles. Um, but that was a special place all around. It was Gene Autry's last radio station. He owned Golden West Broadcasters and at one time had a group of stations. We were the final one. Um, you see, those of you watching a video feed, I'm uh, joined by Joel Denver. You see the other person there with me. And Joel is, a, is another radio veteran turned publisher of one of the last remaining trade publications serving the radio and record industry called All Access. It's still up at allaccess.com for another two weeks, Joel. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Second of Thank all, you. congratulations on 28 years of All Access. And I'm, I was really sorry to hear the news that All Access is, is closing its doors. Um, well, we were, pretty, we were pretty sad to have to give that news out, too. I mean, you know, we... We just uh, had a wonderful time, you know, serving the industries, the radio industry and the record industry. And, of course, all the allied fields that, uh, that you know, are surrounding these two, these two massive industries. And we've had a blast doing it. And we've, we've, uh, we're all pretty sad about it. We, well, we are. We've been through a lot. I mean, I, I pulled up a bunch of stuff. So, you know, I, this, I put a show card together. And, and, the, and what it is today is, uh, first of all, your goodbye note at all access that you published surrounded by the logos of a bunch of different trade publications all of which except for i believe one are gone uh the biggie was radio and records where you used to work we had fmqb we had the hard report we had the album network we had the gavin report hits i th is hits still around i think hits yes, is still is. around yeah, hits is still around yes mm -hmm. and um but that that's the last one standing and and all access again you so when that video that i played was 1997 you launched all access in 95 uh right. and and i remember it well before that you were at radio and records so here is um uh here's your here's your uh 
<laughs> from an old <laughs> issue of R and R. It was what June twenty second, nineteen ninety. You were the guy doing the CHR, which for the you know non industry folks is top forty. Uh, that was your format, and um, uh, you know just that was what June twenty second. Um, just so you know, from mm-hmm. that same issue, check this out. I was kind of in street talk. Although I was just in the, in the little street talk was like the gossipy part of it. And the circled red circled part there said that um, I was going from I was then promotion director at KODJ. The station had been KNX FM flipped to oldie, which was a shame, flipped to oldies KODJ. And I had just been hired at KLOS to go produce uh, the Mark and Brian show. Um, I still have I have boxes of these old trades. Now, I don't have a box of. All access because when you launched it in '95, you you left a good job at R and R to launch this thing online, and that was a whole new world, and and that was a big chance you took. Well, I, I really believed in what was coming. Um, I was kind of a computer geek. I had a, uh, a lap a laptop, an IBM clone that I bought in 1981, and uh, you know we were making some moves at uh, at R and R you know, to move in a digital direction. Um, I was the first editor at R&R to throw his uh, IBM Selectric typewriter out the window, <laughs> and I composed all of my work and columns on uh, a software program. And wow. it was a big, huge Texas Instruments program with disc packs that were like this big, and it was like, it was really old-time stuff. But uh, it worked, and it slowly spread throughout the building. Everybody wanted to get rid of their typewriter, and it could work so much faster uh, mm-hmm. on a word processor, you right. know. And uh, so that worked. And, you know, I just I just saw what was happening out there. And, you know, and I remember how people would like on Tuesday nights, the paper would go out to the printer and would come back on Wednesday early, early in the afternoon. And it'd be like hundreds of people gathered around stuffing envelopes. (laughs) And there would be people from all the labels standing by to get their copies so they could rush back to the office. Everybody could see it. I'm going like, wow, it's got to be a better way than this. And I, uh, you know, I was online quite a bit myself. And uh, there was a there was a um, a feature at AOL called the the uh, music message board, and I went there it is right there. People are talking back and forth and they're leaving comments and this and that and the other. And you know I was always one of the you know one of these people that believe that convenience wins, mm-hmm. and I believe that uh, you know expediency and accuracy are just as important. And so I just basically took a lot of what I learned over fourteen years at R and R, a wonderful place to work at. And um, I, I left and, uh, you know, I think they were a little tired of me, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that happens. Well, you know, you know, there is the thing called the uh, the Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive, which right. you can go back now at KSCA, the station that we just saw the last day. Um mm-hmm. I had uh, I worked with a friend of mine who uh, booked the Troubadour, who was very into the Internet early on. And we, we went on the air in 94, went off in 97. But Zach Zallin and I built one of the first radio station websites and we did oh, stuff with great. it. But if you go into that Wayback Machine, you can pull up depending on when it crawled and, and took a picture. Um, and this this is the earliest I could find all access. It was uh, yeah. December of 1996. And you see a lot of a lot of text there. Um, oh, yeah. In 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 ninety five, and sorry, in two thousand five, it moved a little bit more. Um, in two thousand seven, you can see how it how all access progressed a bit. Um, but he, um, uh, and and you know, and you kept it twenty eight years. That's that's a that's a you know that's a that's a good long run. Although um, it's it's kind of sad that you know it's not there. And just just for the hell of it this was the final screen of the ksca website it was my goodbye message um this tuner a listener actually archived this site this isn't from the wayback machine and this tuner was with um um the tuner in the office at the troubadour that zach put on the copy machine took a picture of and the and the links were the dials we were we were really cutting edge but um back then it was all so brand new um and and look where we are now. So not only did the internet change, and not only did um, you know the industry change, but the, part of the the big changes in the industry, I think, came from the changes in technology. Um, when you were last on radio, I'm guessing you were playing records. 
right? Like uh, vinyl? No, we were, you know, or, it was, or, or was no, it we CDs? had, we had uh, carts. Oh, we carts. Had, okay, yeah. so carts were like eight-track tapes where you, right. they'd put either one song or one commercial on a cart, and it would you'd stick it in the machine, push it in, it would go around and around it, and would stop right before it's set to start again, allegedly. Right. That's if nobody else stopped a cart midstream where you'd put it in and hit it, it would be in the middle of the commercial or something, which yeah, was not that. that was always fun, wasn't it? Right. <laughs> um, so I, you know, when I started in radio in 79 in college, uh, we were playing records, vinyl records. Then um, we went to CDs. And uh, when I was in L.A., you know, I worked at KNX FM and then KLSX. And, and during that time, when I got to KSCA, they had a, uh, a computer where all the music was on the hard drive and all of the commercials were on the hard drive. We still had CD players in the studio. We only used carts for commercials. Occasionally, everything was on the computer. That was 94. And that was um, a, 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 the beginning of things changing. Um the other thing that I point to as, as a big turning point in the changing of the, at least the radio side of the industry is the Telecommunications Act of 1996. I remember at that time um, uh, I getting a, um, a letter from AFTRA saying everything is going to change. If this bill goes through and becomes law, everything's going to change. And then sure enough, voice tracking came in. And, um, you know, if you look back on your career, Joel, when did, when did you start in the radio industry? 1968. Wow. I was 15 years old. Don't do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and where? Where did you start? What, what were you doing? I, I started at a 1,000-watt uh, daytime, 500-watt nighttime station at 1,600 of the dial, the choicest, I mean, worst dial position ever yes, I am. right. And uh, we were in Rockville, Maryland. The station's call letters were WINX. And it was a, a county station, basically. It got into D.C. a little bit, but it was basically a county station because of the limited signal. But it was, you know, it was my favorite radio station. And uh, some great people um, uh, uh, passed through that station. And, uh, you know, I wanted to work there so bad. And I just pounded on doors and pounded on doors. And finally, I badgered these people to uh, let me, you know, do a weekend show. And, I, and one of my dear friends from that station, uh, his name was Bob Fish. He he moved over to WASH, which was a good music station at the time. And he said, look, if you'll come up here on Saturday nights and file my albums away for me so I can get the hell out of here right uh -huh. on time. He says, I'll teach you how to run the production room. And that's how I learned how to make tape. Wow. And, and so many people tell those stories of, of starting at 14 or 15. You know, before I moved out to Los Angeles, I had come, I was in New York and I was produced, I produced Jim Kerr's morning show, WPLJ. Oh, yeah. Well, Jim Kerr today is doing mornings at uh, 104.3. Um, right. And I, I think is the longest running radio personality on the air in New York City. He's been on all could these be. years. Could be. Uh, yeah. I worked with him 85 to 87. So, and, and he's still <laughs> there. And he started at the age of 14 in Ypsilanti, Michigan. So the people, you know, the the radio veterans seem to have gotten the bug really early. I was in college, you know, I was going to college and trying to figure out what I wanted as my major. And all I knew was that I... I smoked a lot of pot and I went to concerts on weekends and, and nothing in the catalog interested me. And then I saw broadcasting. It's like, oh, I can do radio and and play music. <laughs> and sure enough, I actually majored in broadcasting at University of South Florida. I started at that station running the only student programming because uh, the rest of the day it was classical and they give us four hours a week on weekends, Saturday and uh, Friday and Saturday nights from 11 to 1 and and so that's what I that's how I started in radio and never looked back. I'm one of the weird people who, you know, went into the industry that they started in, uh, that they studied in, in uh, college. But, um, you know, and I think back on all the changes back then, um, there was a trade that I reported to in college, the college media journal, CMJ, which is also no longer. Um, but if you look back, Joel Denver, on the industry now, we're, we're talking about radio. All access and these other trades also cover the record industry, and the two sort of at least went hand in hand. Uh, back in the good old days, there were 
parties galore. I mean, when I first got to L.A., was sort of at the height of it. Um, R&R, the, the, uh, the, the radio and records convention in Century City was always pretty wild. Yeah. That was I was there for the tail end of the, you know, the crazy times. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Those 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 conventions truly was like three days of craziness. It was like <laughs> between between the uh, the uh, the bar in the lobby to the bar in the in the uh, record company suites or the Cindy all Peter the suites, suites, the parties in the oh, suites. It was like it was like really it was it was it was so much fun. It really was. It, he really bonded. He really bonded with people back then because you could sit down and have a have a real good, interesting face-to-face con you know contact and conversation with somebody who was a big time guy on the radio that's or right a big time record executive where there was a lot of artists around there too and you could sit down and talk to these artists and they were fantastic to, to to interface with they really were and back then the money was flowing i mean the the record labels would uh, and, and i'm specifically thinking of the r&r conventions uh, and the the, the the hotel in Century City and the suites with with food and drink and other things and everybody partying. And it was like, you know, there were no limits, it seemed. The dinners, the um, all that. And and I don't know what it's like now, because, frankly, I've been out of the music end of uh, radio since uh I I left L.A., I went to Taos for a minute, I came down here to South Florida, went up to the Boston area and programmed WXRV, but I left there in 2004. So it's been almost 20 years since I've had a real music radio job. But in those 20 years, things have really changed. Um, oh, yeah. It, that, none of that stuff happens anymore. Is it fun anymore? Oh, it's still a lot of fun. Listen, I mean, you know, the music was the reason I got into the business. I mean, I just, you know, loved it. I thought the idea of, you know, singing behind a microphone, microphone between, you know, with two turntables, you yep. know, and two turntables and a microphone, music, <laughs> microphone, that's it, you know, been playing my favorite music was, you know, I thought that was just the shit, you know, that was great. And, you know, and I loved it. I really, truly loved it. I had a lot of fun on the air. Um, you know, I went from being a DJ to a music director and a DJ and mm-hmm. program director and, you know, and after I'd gotten fired a couple of times, you know, and uh, I just like went, wow, I mean, I got to move again. Wow. And, you know, so I kind of got over that. And Bob Wilson called me. He says, hey, he said, you know, he said, uh, yeah, well, we'll interview you for this job. There was something in um, in radio and records and they were advertising for an associate editor in the Washington office. Well, that was good by me. I was living in Baltimore at the time. My mom still lived in the D.C. area. So I just packed up from Baltimore, moved down there, took the job. And Bob Wilson said, he said, if you do well at this, he says, by the first of the year, we're going to bring you out to L.A. I said, what's the job? He said, I can't tell you. I said, okay. <laughs> I mean, he's paying me really good money just to do the Washington thing. Hmm. And I couldn't believe the raise I got when I came to L.A. And um, I had 14 really great years there. Really, you know, it's like it, I learned so much. And I, you know, met a lot of people. And uh, it became the foundation of, of, of what we did with All Access. I mean, I basically knew that. You know, people like seeing their names. So I, you know, was always very liberal about taking care of making sure people were well covered and they liked photos and, you know, message mm-hmm. boards were big. So I put a message board up and had a jobs board oh, yeah. and we did, we put birthdays and, and on a branded the news as net news. So people called it something. It wasn't just the news. So I had a brand within a brand. So I had the all access brand and the net news brand. And then we had net talk, which was the forums at the time. Right. So, you know, so, we, you know, I just, I borrowed a lot of stuff I learned from radio and we had an artist info page and we had, um, um, we had, a, we had a, um, uh, a streaming page I and mean, I was streaming records back then in, uh, you know, 1995. And, uh, and we were, one, I think we we're one of the first people to, to really uh, dig into um, an enriched HTML email and what that could do for, you know, for people who would get emails and wow, these are great. Clients loved them. Mm-hmm. Clients just loved them. And I still get those emails from you and I get those are going to go away. So, you know, I'll get an email, a a download of a new song. And and yeah, I am. I'm sticking my foot back into the music world. I've always I've always had a foot in there. But um, uh, trying to launch a new online venture, my my listeners here know about it because I tell them everything. So we're starting with a bunch of other uh, radio veteran radio women, women who rock dot com. We're we're hitting roadblocks. We need investors, but you know we're getting it That's together. Great. I love but that. yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be um, multifaceted. It's gonna be a twenty four seven streaming music station featuring female artists. And I actually have a test stream up now. So if you go to womenwhorock.com, you can listen. No jocks yet, just the music, so I can get the mix down right and build the library correctly and all that. Um, so that we're gonna have a podcast 
network for, um, you know, issues hosted by women of interest to women. But it's not only women. I mean, we say it's mm-hmm. of, by, and for women and all who love right. us. So everybody can participate. You should contact uh, Charisse Rouget, who works for us. Mm-hmm. She would love to do oh. that or be involved in that. She's terrific. And also Phyllis, uh, St- Phyllis Stark. Stark, yes. Nashville. They okay. both live in Nashville. I oh. am absolutely sure they both love to be involved in something like oh that. i definitely will because we're we're sort of like you know hey kids let's put on a show and it's about it is radio veterans so right. it's you know what when i've spoken to people and you know i've reached out like rita wilde i'm hoping is going to do a show and um mm-hmm. you know people that i've worked with through the years even some that i it's haven't like old randy thomas randy thomas randy is my here. randy is my voice randy I thomas randy, it, randy okay randy thomas who uh, again started in radio we we've crossed paths uh she was down here in miami at WSHE. She was in New York, WPLJ. I've known her for years and years and years. And she is, she's risen to the top of the voiceover profession. She was the first woman to ever announce the Oscars. And her daughter is now in on it. So Randy Thomas and Rachel are are the voices, uh, the imaging voices of womenwhorock.com. So we are, you know, we're really going there. We just need to, (laughs) I'm a creative person. I'm not a business person, but we're working on it. So, um, but so, you know, I get the downloads from you. Everything's different. It used to be, we, you know, the mail would come and we'd get boxes filled with records, CDs, and, you know, and you'd have to put them in. Now everything is done digitally. Mm-hmm. And and right. so all the music is brought to you digitally. I don't have to, you know, there's no more shipping it out. But point and click and download. That's, that's it. it. That's all it is. We're we're working just to, just to give you a little insight on what we're trying to do. Um, and the model has changed out there, so we're going to try and keep some services alive. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we're going to probably try and keep the download alive and probably keep some the the jobs alive and a couple things like that. Um, you know, it's too big of a it's too big of a, a commitment to uh, to do the news. We're not going to do that. So we're not going to try and really be what all access was because, I mean, the idea we thought when we were coming, you know, coming to the to grips that we had to make some changes, to have hacked it apart and still tried to do news with less people or or take formats out. Yeah. Just, but how do you do did, that? I mean, it was I didn't want I didn't want it to be looked at as the as the old rock guy that uh, should not have booked the last tour. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> That's why we just felt it was better to close it. And for, it was all for financial reasons, the changes in the record business. You know, they do not focus as heavily on music. They've made a lot of downsizing in their, uh, uh, in their staffs. And, you know, so they, they decided they were going to trim back how much money they were investing in, you know, promotion and marketing to radio. And that was 60-some-odd percent of our business. Right. Cut that in half, and that really hurt. I'll bet. So, and you have a big, you have a big staff at, at all access. There was 23 of us, 23 of us. That's wow. a, that's a, that's a sizable, uh, that's a sizable chunk of change there, you know? And, you know, we really, I, I have to tell you, it was, a, it was one of the best business experiences and life experiences at the same time, being able to do this because we created something. Uh, we were really, I think the first to do that. I think we beat radio and records online by a full year. Uh-huh. Um, and so we really, we really were able to um, carve a path and make some changes. And you know, it's just like anything else. I look at the page counts, and the page counts weren't good. I took took that content out and replaced it with something else. You know, it was like instant ratings. So, right. Um, so, but you know, we uh, we knew we were on to something, and we just you know listened to people. We listened to see what do you want? What do you want to read about? What do you want to? What kind of features do you want? They wanted they wanted columns. They wanted you know, people with big names and smarts to talk. So we, we went after big names, you know, and then we morphed into, uh, uh, into, into the convention business. Our friend Sat Bisla came to me and he said, mm. Hey, I got this idea. Let's do this thing called the worldwide radio summit. And I loved it. And it was like a no brainer to do. We had, uh, we were in our 10th year and it got scotched because of the, uh, uh, the COVID. Oh, wow. Now, Sad so, yeah, is, we, you know, Sad also, I worked with him before he went mm-hmm. to work with you. He was over at the Album Network. And for a minute, right. the day mm-hmm. the day that KSEA went off the air and mm-hmm. none of us knew what we were going to do, I got a phone call from Tommy uh, Nast and Jim yes. Nelson over at the Album yep. Network yeah, who said, people. yep, real good people who said, uh, Bob Cranes, speaking of Tommy Nast. Tommy um, Nast, there he is. <laughs> uh, boy, talk about timing. Tommy, you are good. Um, um, real, he barged his way on in Really here. good. I no, I, t- I told him to do that. I was a little surprised. So to- there's, to- there's Tommy Nast. Tommy, Tommy and our um, neighbors. We're neighbors. Are you? So <laughs> yeah. Tommy called. Do you, guys, do you guys have me there? We have you. Do you hear us? 
Yes, I do. Okay. Hi. Yeah, you're on the air. We're, we're, so Tommy Nast is joining us. Tommy Nast, the day KSCA went off the air, the tape we played that very same day, called and said, you know, Bob Cranes is our rock editor and he's leaving. So, Nicole, why don't you come over here and be our rock editor? And, and, and I said... <laughs> Well, okay. Um, but then again, I was like the AAA person, which is, um, despite what they said on there, it's adult album alternative. It's it's eclectic. It's, you know, we're music snobs. Rock, you know, I wanted to write about Whiskey Town, and they wanted me to write about Def Leppard and, and Iron Maiden. And that wasn't really my thing. And I told you I'd give it six months. And I lasted six months. And then I left and went down to 91X in San Diego. But I had a great time. Um, so I never worked with Joel. I tried to at one point. But um, uh, I, wor- I did, did my time at a trade with Tommy. And Sat Bislow was there when I was there, right? He did. He that did. was there. I brought Sat in there also and uh, to look and see what he did. I remember him coming to me one day going, can we look at how we can create the A&R network and we can do all these new bands and I was like okay let me just see if we can give him enough rope to hang himself or swim on Tarzan (laughs) and he did and it it was amazing what he did and if I could just take one second Nicole and first off thank you for asking me to come in and join here and Joel is my neighbor and Joel um, you are one of the top people in the business you have gained so much respect from the entire industry for all that you've done, all you've accomplished, yep. the way you treat people, um, and, and what you've given to the business. So I, I hope you continue to, you know, do more and, and give us some features still from all access. Yeah, we're working on that. It's uh, so many little pieces. And when you're wrapping up a business that's been around this long to cover off on, and, uh, you know, we're trying to get, uh, trying to get uh, something worked out with our server people to get out of the contract and then, you know, see what we can do about, um, uh, where we can where we can host this and what is it you know it's just it's just there's a lot of a lot of bells and whistles to worry about a lot of little details you know eyes that eyes dot and t's to cross but we're getting there and you know and we and we and i talked to our tech people and we believe that we can continue the download service which i know everybody's happy to hear because you know we got uh, you know we got uh, about eight thousand uh seventy seventy eight hundred i think people that are subscribed to that that are wow decision makers in the business, you know, from radio stations through to consultancies through to, you know, um, um, you know, sync and things of that music supervisors. And, you know, it's just a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of internet stations, they get their music through us and, uh, it's a good service in it. So, so we're trying to keep something alive. It's great. And as somebody that works in the business now, I'm working on the film side of music. Mm -hmm. Um, you're still such a valuable asset to look, through when it comes to you know your industry directory which right. kind of stemmed from what we did oh, with the yellow pages yes, and rock that's right you know, the yellow and, pages and, and the directory and that and and you know the radio ratings the services the different chart looks that we can see covering all formats you give such great top line and in the partnerships you have with other companies um it's been a valuable resource for a guy like me still after all the years I've been in the business for quite a while now, too. Not quite as long as you, but I'm catching you. Uh, you And you're both older uh, than me, so I like that. Yeah, we're much older than you, (laughs) Oh, yeah, much. That's the case, absolutely. We're all old. By the way, so you're in the film world. So I I was looking through my stuff to see, do I have a picture with Joel? And I have one. And this was actually from Sunset Sessions, which was an event that Michelle Clark put on. But uh, there's you, Joel. There's Sean Alexander, who is your second in command at at All Access. Me and and um, uh, John yeah, McHugh, John yeah. McHugh, who is so who's now he's now a big Mahaffey. <laughs> yeah. He's so, yeah. a big shot these days. Yeah. McHugh and I, you know, he used to be just he was like a guy at A and M Records, and we were his birthday's November third, Mom the fourth, and we used to have double birthday parties. We'd like team oh, up, and 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 now he's like the big Kahuna in the in the music uh, movie world. Yeah, yeah, he's doing great. He's really doing great. There's a lot of people from that. Uh, the record business that have segued over into that so it's just a natural progression for a lot of those folks you know so yes. it's been something listening to this first half hour plus nicole that opening that you did at, at 1019 i mean I, I remember going back 
to the Gene Autry Heritage Museum to see Tony Bennett. Uh, and Kid Leo took me and my wife, Luann, to see, to see that show there. And you remember what that was like. I uh, mean, it was, you guys were so great to be able to do, you know, the music that you did and, and pay homage and do shows with a, a, a legend like Tony Bennett back then in the 90s. You know, it, it says to the uh, amazing diversity that you guys had there of, of music programming was tremendous. You know, we did live broadcasts from the Autry Museum because Gene owned us um, with Joni Mitchell and Tony Bennett and uh, Suzanne Vega and Little Feet. And just it, it was it was such an amazing resource. And being in L.A. gave us access to just about everybody. Um, you know, when Tony Bennett died just last week, of course, I plastered my picture with Tony Bennett from that. In fact, a shot with Kid Leo in it. Um, with me and Kid Leo, of course, was a radio legend in, oh, yeah. uh, and, and when, you know, I heard from a listener after I showed it who said, I remember him on the air in Cleveland. And then one day he was gone and yeah. we didn't know what happened. Well, he went over to Columbia records where he, I guess he did very well there as well. He did. Yeah. He's a winner. He's a total winner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. A winner like you, Joel. And if, Nicole, a couple Joel Denver stories. Yes, please. Oh, please. Was, when I was in radio, <laughs> I started in radio in 73 in Rochester, New York, worked at WSAY, which we made a progressive AM station, and then went to the station I grew up with listening to, WBBF. Um, and when I was there, Joel was a PD, and I believe it was in Miami, and I sent an air check to him at the time. And while Joel didn't hire me, what Joel did was send one of the greatest rejection letters somebody <laughs> could get that was kind of like, you know, here's some things that you need to look at and work on. Please keep in touch. We're not ready yet at this point, but good luck with what you're going to do. And we became, you know, friends over the, the you know, the, those points of, uh, of our career. Um, and then I go back then too. It was, it was always great. And that's the first time I, I learned about, you know, Hey, what could respect the guy paid and even turning me down. It was great. And, and Joel, it, it, it's so funny. I, you know, you've had so much of an impact on people. It's, um, it, it's just tremendous. I, I can't thank you enough for that. And when you went online and we were at album network and what was that like 97 or something or 95, 95. All access came on and, and I'm talking to some of the staff and that and going, Oh, well, Joel Tend was going to be doing this. It's just going to be online. He's not sending a physical magazine. And I'm going, I, in hindsight, I'm going, what an idiot I was. What a dumb shit. Are you kidding? It was like, here was a guy with, the, the future, you know, he knew where everything was going. Now, granted, we did do some good online stuff as well, but what you did then was, um, was really something. And we're like, ah, it's just, it's, it's going to be online. It's not a physical magazine. Right. right. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny because it's like, I remember when our first trip to the uh, labels in uh, uh, January or February of 96, I had an IBM ThinkPad, which was the first, my little first portable. There was no, there was no broadband. It was all over a phone line. And the only place that record companies had phone lines was at the uh, fax machines. Cause every, everybody else was PB. It was all PBX systems. So to do a demo, I had to unplug the fax machine. And of course, like, you know, it was not as rocket fast as, you know, pages downloading like that. They sort of went, they sort of drew kind of slowly. And I remember there was like, I look up and there's like 15 people standing there, tapping their feet, drumming their fingers, going like, Get the fuck on this fax <laughs> <laughs> and, and Greg Thompson, who we're all great friends mm -hmm. with, sure. Greg Thompson said to me, he says, I got to get on this machine. You're backing up my people. He says, what do you want? I said, I said, I want some advertising. He says, well, what do you want? And I gave him the number. He says, done. He says, he says, you're on. He says, now just get the hell off my fax machine. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, my, my short time at the album network, one of my duties, uh, you know, and, and I'll be, it was a promotion job. It wasn't really a rock editor. And I, w I called the little record reviews PPs, promotional paragraphs. So you had to write nice things about the records because we this was not a place where we were writing, you know, give this, don't pass over this negative. one because they weren't really reviews. They were PPs. Um, and um, and then you had the, the CD samplers that I would have to sell to the labels. I would have to get the record rep to buy a track on the CD samplers. And God, I hated doing that. It was so not me. And that's why I, I, I promised you six months. And then and I left like right yeah, in six that months. Was a no, that was a no-brainer back then. That was a real no-brainer to be Yeah, honest. I mean, it, everybody loved were great. Yeah, it. Yeah, was, it was awesome. I think it's some of the things that we were doing with the CD samplers. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we also, I mean, I was at Album Network for 20 years and mm -hmm. they were, 
they went from what 78 until 2003 and i left just before 2003 um and you know the samplers the syndicated radio the network syndicated I mean, we ra- created a, a great syndicated radio network in and i honestly can say we led the rock world in rock radio programming with you, the world premieres we did with I was, Red Beards in the studio with, with, with steely singing. dan you know yeah. i was i was in la i was already at i think channel 1031 at the time long gone from the album network but you guys hired by then it was your sure. album network was owned by sfx but you somebody i don't know who uh, you i guess called and said How'd you like to go to New York and interview uh, uh, Walter Becker and Donald Fagan for the world premiere broadcast for Steely Dance 2 Against Nature? I'm like, are you kidding me? It was still to this day, honestly, one of the high points of my career. I'm sitting in River Sound Studios where they recorded the album and just sparring with them because they were two of the smartest, most clever guys and to keep up with them. And I'm thinking, just pinch me. Now. Like, am I, am I sitting here doing this? So cool. Tommy, Absolutely. thank you. <laughs> and still, uh, yeah. wow. Hey, we knew top talent and, <laughs> you know, and having the access to be able to call and say, Hey, Nicole, can you do this for us? Mm-hmm. It was a great position to be in. Awesome. Uh, I miss it. Some of the greatest times of my life um, were the days at album network with amazing people that I worked with. And, you know, this this kind of reminds me of like Joel hanging at a Bobby Poe convention or the R and R convention. Yeah, well, we were now. talking about the R and R conventions, yeah. and Tommy, <laughs> you were there with us. You, you uh, Andrea Weiss, Absol- you, me, uh, yeah, wild Absolutely. times. Um, oh my god, yeah, just some <laughs> insanity. Mm-hmm. But so much fun, right? Yeah, so much so fun. Much fun. The good old right. days. But now, I mean, the, so we, those we, things are different. And I remember one other thing, Tommy, was I was worried. You're like, don't worry. Well, we're family owned. We won't get sold. <laughs> and then, yeah, surprise. Surprise. Everything <laughs> right. has changed. Nothing. Yeah, well, Steve Smith uh, and Gary and Eli Bird are like, guess what? Um, we're going to be rolled into SFX. Yep. And uh, then from oh, there, Robert Sullivan. Clear, yeah. 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 Clear Channel Entertainment, <laughs> we yeah. were put into. Uh, and then premiere came in once you know that that happened and this was pre live nation yeah and at that point i had left to go to be an evp at aeg which was a, a an interesting turn uh but boy the trade business and radio and that and i still look at once you're a radio guy you're always a radio always. guy you never get it out of your blood right yeah Radio people are just, there's something there. And you still dream all the time when the music goes out. You can't change the turntable. You can't put the carton. You can't, you know. Except now you, you have, you have computer studio, glitches. Your doors locked and, and the turntable. <laughs> Absolutely. You, know. you put on Inagata DeVita to go to the bathroom. But right, yeah, but exactly. now, um, you know, everything is computerized. And when, when you hit the button, uh, you know, and something doesn't fire, it's there. Um, you know, it's it's all different. And and actually, radio has changed. I don't people don't connect to the radio the way they used to. And I think a big part of that is because of voice tracking. It goes back to what I was mentioning before about the Telecommunications Act of 1996. When when Channel 1031 signed on the air, this was we, Clear Channel. Um, it, we were two little signals in one in Santa Monica, one in Newport Beach, both at 1031. And we connected them and they, it was trying to be the successor of, of KSEA. But the first thing they did was sent me to Ogallala, Nebraska to learn profit. P-R-O-P-H-E-T. But of course, it was it would it allowed a, a personality in one city to voice track into another. And the minute we had that, we, our night guy was in Boulder at KBCO. And I said, this is the end. This is the beginning of the end. And, you know, it was. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of things that have contributed to what has happened. I mean, uh, you know, it's like I um, I will I've said it for a long time that, you know, radio has allowed Nielsen to give it an inferior product and continues to pay millions of dollars stood up for it. That's nothing and for Nielsen, it was Arbitron, which yeah, well, I was yeah, exactly. always I mean, arbitrary. Well, 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 it's and it's and it's and it's always been about lack of sample samples, mm-hmm. always too small. And there's so many hoops you got to jump through. If you if you're if you're a meter holder, you got to dock it. You got to it's all kinds of stuff. And it's like I just have never understood why if you can have Shazam in the background sample whatever you're whatever you're hearing, why can't that happen with with PPM? I never understood that. PPM is the is the portable. We have a lot of not radio people listening. So portable people meter, I believe, is what PPM stood Mm -hmm. for. And it was so before that radio ratings were done by diary. 
And the way it worked, it was asinine. They'd call households, and usually they'd call at dinner time. And I'm sorry, most people either didn't answer the phone or you're calling at dinner time. It's like, fuck you, and hang up. So <laughs> they'd get a certain, just a really small window of people. And then from the people who will, will talk to them, they say, we want you to keep track of your radio listening for a week. On a diary, we'll send you a diary. And anytime you listen to a station for you know any 15-minute period, you and everybody in your household have to write it down. And, and for we're that, send you a dollar we'll to send do you a that. dollar to do it. Dollar. And who would do that? I mean, it's insane. So that's why I call Arbitron was the name of the company. I called it arbitrary because it was bullshit. And then when we were told when the people meter came in, oh, it was going to be so much better. Well, right. no, it's just. Hey, where's Tom Birch in the Birch Report when you? <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. They did the phone well, yeah. stuff, right? They they were able the to. The thing is, it's like that, and because those systems were, were programming in radio to a, a device instead of to people, and there's there's a methodological bias that it doesn't accept or help new product. So radio stations got to get more tight, got to get more familiar. So they've got their playlist at top 40 down to 17 current songs, now 17 current songs. And so records or record companies are going fish with the fish are. Streaming is huge. That's right. The other thing that radio has not done, it has not dealt with monetizing itself in a different fashion other than running 22 minutes of commercials an hour. Uh, right. Well, uh, that's, you know, you know, as we're starting to try to put together this new streaming radio station, mm -hmm. my first yeah. thing is we, we're not going to have stop sets. We are not going to stop down and play commercials. That won't work anymore. And so no. that's my question to you guys. Can radio survive does any sure. look at look at what npr does look at what these uh, other, other stations that are non-coms do i mean they're they're all they're selling commercial radio other, yeah but you know they're selling sponsorships you yes, know what i'm saying that's what you have to they're do. selling half hour sponsorships or blocks yep. and it's like i told radio people how many how many people how many advertisers do you have well five thousand probably in the market i said yeah once you once you concentrate on the top 250 spenders I said that way you're not going to clutter up your station with a you know, dollar a holler and five dollar yep. a hundred people. I said you'll get better share of ear. You'll be able, you'll be more convenient to listen to. Ratings might go up, and then you can raise the rates. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, and I understand it. Change is difficult, but unless radio does something, it is a return to localism and just you know actually full shifts. Yes. Not you live, know, live, yes. Playing. Disc I mean, jockeys I, in the me, studio. It was playing the music. It was getting into it. It was playing air guitar in the studio oh, sure. and, and doing all sorts of crazy things when you're on the air and feeling what that show is like. And, and answering the request lines and talking to people. Yes, that's great. Yeah, answering the request absolutely. lines, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, and that doesn't happen anymore because most of it, and, and people don't realize this, but they know they've tuned away from terrestrial radio, as we now call it, mm -hmm. because there's yeah. no... There's no connection to the local community anymore. And that's why radio was so perfect, because it was local and they did away with with the local aspect in most cases. Now, there's the automakers want to take AM radio out of the car. Joel, you started in AM radio. I mean, sure. I, and, and look, I moved into talk after <laughs> after leaving. Uh, let, me, let, the me, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I think about AM radio. Yeah. If you look at each market, there is one dominant AM radio station. Yeah. It's KFI here. It's a big station. Yep. yep. Even KNX moved off their programming off of AM. Onto they FM. One, two, one, three. I've got a four share now on FM. Wow. But they're still holding on to this expensive signal. AM costs a lot of power. It sucks up a lot of juice. Yeah. Hmm. I've been told by somebody it costs over a million dollars in power just to keep that station on the really? air. Really? Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Off the air, you've already moved the program. You know, and there's a big fight with the NEB going like, oh, we got to get the AM back in cars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, for what? For, you know, for 65-year-old people that, you know, that are going to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And there's no, there's there's not much variety in programming there. Find an FM. Put it on FM. That's where people are. There's no people, there's no appreciable audiences left. Well, that's because, because, on AM. because right-wing talk radio fucked up AM radio. <laughs> yeah, really? know, like, when when all you can do is turn the dial and hear Rush Limbaugh. It, you yeah, know, but I mean, the bottom line is people made a lot of money at that. Hey, if you're, if you're in business, then you're in business. You're in business to make money. And if you find product, you know, whether I agree with Russ's, you know, Russ Limbaugh's whole politics or not, I don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, the point is. It made money. It, it, it was it was a moneymaker. It was successful. You, yeah, you, exactly. Absolutely. Successful. And there's just a lot of AM radio stations that are operational drags on their cluster because they keep it on because they still have the license. Right. They could save so much money plow that back into deleveraging their debt 
adding some marketing and adding some personalities. What a great idea that would be for their FM signals. I didn't realize right? that it, it cost more to power an AM station. It, it, I had it, no it, idea. It, it, you know, AM, AM transmitters choose to, to, to four times more power than an FM transmitter. Same thing. I haven't thought of that in ages. I mean, I haven't been no, on an AM radio station since 1979. So I have. So. Yeah. <laughs> But, but it I is, mean, you know, I, that dying breed. I agree. It takes opportunity away, but we're talking about survival here, boys and girls. We're talking about like, you know, radio companies making it, you know, finding how to retool themselves, making themselves more important to the listener and answering what the listener wants. They don't want commercials. They want a better variety of music. It's like, you know, this is, it's not, it, it's not easy. I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I could just walk into a station and snap my fingers and make it happen. But the point is there are people that do. There are people that know how to do this, and it would be great if some people tried something, some things right. different. You know I what think I'm isn't John Sebastian doing something in Phoenix with an AM yeah, station? Yeah, he's doing this thing Wow Radio, and it's yeah. like right. fantastically successful. And he's he doesn't, playing he doesn't everything. Care about anything, he doesn't care about anything other than what was popular in Phoenix. That's all he cares about. Wow, that's, that's smart. All he cares about. Huh? Interesting. He's done a lot of research. John's always a terrific research guy. You know, and he's got people on the air. It's like, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a, that's a happening radio station, boys and girls. That is really, it's like 35 plus. He owns it. Yeah. He owns it. And, you know, you and he's know, been successful on this thing, book after book after book. Yeah. So. That's wild watching the, the progress that he's made with that. So, yeah, you know, there absolutely. is a way for it to survive and that is um, be creative and be innovative and don't try to keep doing what's been done because that mm -hmm. is not working anymore. And serve your public. Sir, listen to what they want yeah, and just I, give it to them. I agree. And I, I go back to a good friend of mine who I competed with in Syracuse, New York, um, Ed Levine. When he was at WAQX and I was at 94 Rock in Syracuse, Ed went on to own a cluster of stations in Syracuse and Utica and has Galaxy Communications and has done great because He's done an amazing job of being local, and he's also then got into the event business that he and his wife do. So they do major events, A Taste of Syracuse, other things, jazz-oriented pro uh, programs and things, and he's done that in other cities too. Um, and it's been great to combine a radio station with an event company and looking at not just what you can do for the revenue that you get on air and with yeah. your station, but what you can do with sponsors and having a, a ticketed, you know, festival um, four or five times a year in your city yeah, uh, and, and be responsible for that and get that revenue as well. Ed's a terrific broadcaster. I mean, terrific owner. He gets it. That's but, a guy that that's a guy he's in it up to his neck. You but know, you're talking about him doing yeah, things locally, like being yes. involved in the market. And that's what radio should be. These yeah. brought these voice track things where one person, Clear Channel or iHeart now, uh, does mm -hmm. this, where they have a, a personalities in New York doing like six or seven stations a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think people are tuning well, it's out. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a famous thing hearing somebody talking about, hey, it's a beautiful day. And all of a sudden it's not. It's a, it's storming. Or there's a tornado tearing through town. And then it's like, you know, and they're because it's pre-recorded and they don't know what's going on. And, and the station sounds like it's. That's right. Or when, you know, I still remember when Michael Jackson died. It was, I think, a Friday afternoon weekend. Mm -hmm. The weekend went by and stations hit radio stations, made no mention of it because the voice tracks were already in. They were, oh, stupid. It's just crazy, just isn't stupid. It? <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, but, you know, you, you got to you got to play with the hand that's dealt you. And mm -hmm. I just think that that, you know, the the, the, uh, the status quo is what uh, they're going for right now because the economy's tight and this and that and the other. And I get it. People are afraid to take risks on new things. You know, I get it. People, people are resistant to change, but there's at some point, at some point, they're going to have to do something to make the difference up because radio cannot continue to, uh, to gain new partisans, new people to the platform if they don't do some different things. And I would hate to say that in 15, 20 years, it's aged out. Yeah. So it's so it's a fifty plus medium right now. It is. Top forty radio stations average age female thirty. That's older than you know than it used to be. It used to be an eighteen to twenty four, eighteen to thirty four radio station. Now the median age is thirty, and that lower end of the median is not very low. Right, Bill. The young and people no are longer, listening. We're no, longer the, we're no longer the first choice. We're like you know as um as one one friend of mine in the record business goes. He says you know radio doesn't break records anymore, but it's the great finisher. When radio airplay kicks oh, in, it still done. makes a big, big difference. So it's great. I mean, there's there is that, but there's so few people playing uh, any 
sizable amount of new music because of the methodology that becomes their, you know, so yeah, look at this. Now, what do you say are. about this? What about the artists? Because they're getting the, the short shift here because people aren't buying records the way they used to buying CDs. Do they still buy albums? I don't know. But this is mm. what what's up on the screen now is the streaming payouts. So Napster pays point oh one nine cents per stream. Mm-hmm. And that adds up all those little micro payments add up huge the uh, labels are have never done better than they're currently but the, the and, artists and they, are as a result, and the artists as a result are not are, are, are never done better either but I mean, is it that's not what the, i'm hearing aren't the labels though getting the bulk of that money and then they're negotiating with the artists that are signed to their label mm-hmm. to right. get a fraction of what the labels are getting on the streaming yeah, but I mean, so it's not like the artists are getting that. Compar- comparatively, I'm sure Drake makes more money than Prince made. Right. Okay, I mean, okay. It's, it's all it's all it's all about eras and stuff like that, and how monetization is done. But the thing is also too, back in those days, it was all paperwork, and yeah, it was all a bunch of you know miscalculations and lawsuits. There is none of that today because it's all tracked. It's all transactional, and there's no and it's like, hey, you got a play or you didn't get a play. Boom, that's it. You know, and there's all, there's all kinds of, so I mean, the, the credibility of all of that stuff is, I can't say it's, it's, I can't think that it's ever been any better than it is currently right now. So people know when they're, you know, when they have a, when they have a stream, it's ching, 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 ching. So. Although I have, I've heard from, I just heard from a listener whose daughter has a band and they think they're wildly successful and they, um, their, their song got 2 million downloads, 2 million streams, mm-hmm. and they got mm-hmm. a royalty check for a dollar fifty. So, you know, I don't know what their deal, I don't know what their deal is. Right. I mean, it's like, that sounds a little off to me. I mean, every deal is different. You know what yeah, I'm saying? But right. the point is, I mean, you know, 2 million streams probably worth about two grand, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And you realize the stream is just one play of a song. So you, you exactly. need numbers but, much higher than 2 million to really make oh, a difference. Absolutely. I mean, when these, when these artists are, you know, creating songs, you know, that, uh, that, you know, they're streaming hundreds of millions of streams, which happens over a period of time. That's, that, that yes. that's a chunk of change. But again, That's it's harder true. to break through now because it, it, you don't listen to your favorite radio station to get your favorite disc jockey's taste and what's no, the great new record. You can listen. There's more. There's more unfamiliar music, brand new music getting played. The barrier to entry is zero. It costs you. I mean, you can you can go into your studio and in, in, in your bedroom, get a laptop, some software, a good microphone, some headphones, mm-hmm. get some beats, and sing. Anybody can do it, but then it's getting the listeners. It's getting the ears and getting it to break through. All you do is you you people put their stuff up on on TikTok and other places, SoundCloud, they put stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's people out there, that's all they do is they they go listen and data mine. And these influencers, they go like, oh, my gosh, I love that. I'm putting that on a playlist, that thing. And the next thing you know, the 500 other people under them in this big pyramid of of influencers go like, oh, wow, why are they doing that? Oh, that record sounds good. They put that on, all of a sudden it explodes. And then the record labels go like, hey, that's a great 15 seconds of music. Can you write a song around that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, the whole thing has changed, you know, not for the bad, you know, not, it's not for the bad. It's not for the good. It's just things change. It's 2023. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and we ended up having to close all access because things changed. The model, our model no longer worked because that was not where the record companies were putting their emphasis anymore. Not mad about it. Sad. Yeah. But I'm not mad. We had, a, we had a great run, and I've still got a lot of fabulous clients and friends in the record industry. And, you know, when there's no budget, there's no budget. Well, Joel, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss All Access. It's oh, there for another oh. two weeks, so August 15th. Uh, do you have you. a big send-off planned or anything? Just going to write something nice. You know, we're still figuring out what we're going to do, and we'll have some some ideas yet after that as to what we're going to be able to keep. And it all just comes down to technology and, you know, what we can do with the server people, you know, that doesn't cost us an arm and a leg. So, gotcha. so uh, the, yeah. well, Joel Denver, so you're still it, on the social it. media so people can find you. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and, listen, I'll be, I'll yeah be. I hope your experience is going to still be a part of this industry because we still need guys like you and people like you with, with your ideas and your foresight and, you know, wishing well, you nothing but the best. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate your kind words, Tommy. And thank you, Nicole. Uh, you know, we've been friends for a long time and I so appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you guys today up here. And what a nice surprise seeing you, Tommy. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, and we'll see you know. soon. Nicole, you'll have to come and visit us in beautiful Oxnard sometime. Exactly. Well, we're moving to Arizona, so I will be closer and I can actually drive go. because I, I come back to L.A. I can't afford it. If only I hadn't sold my house in Culver City, my house that I sold in 2001, that's now worth over two million dollars. 
dollars. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That's amazing. Just so, look forward. Just yes, look, forward. look forward. So I will. That's I will. It. I'm yeah. planning on visiting much more exactly. often when I'm a lot closer. And, and uh, please say hi to, to Luann. And yeah, it's, it's will, so good to see indeed. you guys. Thank um, you for including me in this, Nicole. It means a lot. And uh, thank you know, you. all the best to you thank both. You Joel, much. I'll be seeing you soon. And keep up all the great guys. work. Nicole, good luck with Women Who Rock. Thank you. I'll be sending you information about it when we finally get to that point. I'd love to do that with you. I will. I definitely will. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. Thanks, you you guys. Bye. 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 All right. And you guys, um, uh, sorry for my bit of self-indulgence today, but this, you know, uh, look, this is the end of an era. This is the, um, you know, uh, as you can tell, a big part of my life. And, and, uh, yeah, and seeing all access end is sad. It's another chapter closing. But as Joel said, it's also, you know, Hey, time moves on and things change. And so you adapt and uh, it's you know what I've always tried to do anyway. Hey, you guys, I mentioned last week, um, you know, I saw Michael Fronte and the show was just brilliant tonight. You can see him live. He's doing a, a live stream. It is uh, free. And I thought I wrote it on here. Of course, no, I have it. I, I do have it for you. Hold on. I'm going to tell you exactly where you can watch it. 930 Central, 1030 Eastern. So um, it's only going to air this one time. It's going to be streamed and will not repeat. But I'm telling you, watch it if you're awake and around. Uh, one night only WellsFargo.com. One night only WellsFargo.com is the URL. You will um, uh, you'll see the Michael Fronte and Spearhead show. And I promise you, it probably won't be as good as if you were there live. But it'll still be good and it'll make you feel better. Uh, and it's the weekend. Go have fun. Monday, sorry we didn't get to the news today, but uh, Monday, Marcy Wheeler will be here. And you know what happens when Marcy's here. She's here for the hour. We will unpack everything about this new, uh, the new, what's it called? The new part of the indictment and whatever else happens. Um, so, yeah. Uh, with that, we're done. Thank you for listening. I hope you did enjoy and maybe got a new understanding about how radio at least used to work. But know that we always had fun. The fun was there. When it sounded fun, it really was fun. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you Monday. Be good. Stay cool. Bye.